Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Kevin Kaufman, your host of the Kevin and Fred Next Level Podcast, the podcast where we bring you weekly business tips and tricks, as well as in-depth interviews with leading minds in real estate and entrepreneurship to help you take your business to the next level. Laurel Sarks, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Kevin? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing awesome. Thanks for joining us today on the Next Level Podcast. Um, this has been a conversation like a long time coming. We have had to reschedule a few times and busy, busy calendars with the two of us both traveling and business and stuff in the way of being able to sit down and do a podcast. And I'm super glad we got the chance to finally do this today. Me too. Me too. Awesome. So, uh, and I'm actually even more, more excited because you were kind enough to come in and do a, um, uh, what is that thing called? A webinar. Excuse me. I apparently have lost my train of thought today, but you did a webinar for us in the Next Level Agents Facebook group recently on uh, divorce real estate. And we'll talk about that, of course, as we go on. Uh, so that was kind of cool to be able to just sit back and watch you teach and, and listen to you teach uh, before we get the chance to do this podcast. So I'm even more so now excited about uh, finally having the chance to do this uh, interview today. So thank you for joining us. Yeah. Um, for, why don't we start first? Give us the uh, give us the elevator pitch. Who's Laurel Starks? Tell me about your business, and then uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive in. I've got some questions. I can't wait to grill you with. <laughs> oh, and in all fairness, I have no idea what his questions are, so I am 100 percent unprepared. So whatever you're gonna get is just straight up raw out of the both of us. Um, so Laurel Starks, I've been a realtor for 14 years. I'm in the uh, Rancho Cucamonga area, so I serve the Inland Empire of Southern California. I, ever since my second listing, um, that I got in my, when I started the business, I is, it was a divorce listing. And ever since then I've specialized in handling real estate matters and family law cases. So, uh, that's what I've done. I built a solo practice. Um, and then in about 2012, I started taking the whole team track and I started building a team and I did that all the way up until 2017 and then in 2017, I decided to uh, dissolve the team portion. I'm still, I still practice real estate and I've got a, an administrative team. But uh, then I decided to start up uh, the Divorce Real Estate Institute and basically teach and train other realtors throughout the country how to serve their family law communities as an expert in, in divorce. Awesome. So, okay. So I've got so many questions now. Uh, so you said your second, your second listing or your second deal was a divorce listing. What did that like, was that dumb luck? How, how did you get that? So, um, prior to getting into real estate, I was a, I was a flight attendant and then I got out of flying cause I had two little kids. Um, so my son was, I had a one and a three-year-old and I decided I didn't want to be traveling around the world uh, with these little ones at home. So I got into real estate um, because I love people, right? So when you get out of flying, you get into real estate. <laughs> um, and so I got into real estate. My, my, uh, my nanny took my kids to the park every day and they met another nanny and this other little boy at the park and they all became friends. So they would go like have little play dates at the park all the time. And, um, and then that little boy had a birthday party and my son was invited to the birthday party. Turns out his parents were both attorneys. My husband and I became fast friends with them 
And um, one day that attorney called me and he said, I'm calling to let you know that I've gotten you um, on a case, on a divorce case, uh, to sell the house because the, the parties couldn't agree on a realtor. So I had you appointed. So I didn't really even know what that meant. I didn't know what my role was. I didn't know anything. So that's how it started. And then, and then he got me on like three other cases within a couple months. And so I had four very, very, very different and yet very colorful cases. And that's how it began. That's awesome. So like all good things, it sort of just happened. And then you kind of started pursuing it a little bit further and learning more about it. And, you know, it's funny, uh, the first time you and I talked, or we started talking just about putting together the webinar and, and potentially doing a podcast episode, you know, you referenced the fact that uh, we used to do, Fred and I used to do a lot of short sales and how, you know, how similar these things were. And most people I know who did a lot of short sales as well also came into them because either they, they personally or they had a close friend or client or family member that needed help with a short sale and they didn't know what to do. And then they, but they kind of had the deal and then they started learning. And then that was like the thing that triggered everything else for them. Right. Uh, so it's funny how that always happens. Like sometimes it seems like it's random and out of nowhere and that can end up really leading the direction of your entire business for, for some yeah. time. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. So, okay. So tell me, uh, what does your business look like today? Give me an idea. So I want to go backwards and talk a little bit about, you mentioned having a team and dissolving it. I definitely want to go there, but tell me today, um, what does your business look like? You mentioned you have an assistant. Um, tell me like volume, like, is it all exclusively divorced real estate? What's, what's that look like? So I have got, um, three people who work um, on my team, if you will. So uh, I've got Kimberly, who is, she's been with me for 10 years. She started out as my uh, short sale negotiator. So I did short sales and Kevin, you know, you and I have talked about that. And I think you and I went to Gary Keller's short sale mastermind way back in the day. Um, and, and so I was doing short sales because I kept doing divorce real estate. So yeah. Um, my, what I didn't want to do was abandon my, my farm, if you will, my farm were family law attorneys. So, um, I, I got as a byproduct of that, just everybody was upside down. You're in Phoenix. I'm, I was in the Inland Empire. We were two of the hardest hit. I think we were always in the top five as oh, yeah. the hardest hit in the nation, Detroit, Vegas, us, Florida. So I, um, I just got, it was all my business. It was everything. Um, and I, just like you, I learned how to do them just by accident. And, um, and I, and I was actually, I was actually really good at it. And then, um, I, it got to be so, you know, I needed to hire a full-time person to help me. So I hired Kimberly and she, so she was my short sale negotiator. Um, and, uh, and so then over time, short sales, thankfully have faded away. Uh, we don't, have very many at all. I mean, once in a while I'll have one on my books, but, uh, Kimberly was so valuable and she was so talented, um, that, uh, and she was just, she's a born negotiator. It's what she does. So, um, I, I moved her out of the short sale negotiator position and I had her in my, um, helping with all of my listings. So basically when I take a, when I take a listing, I get, I pass it off and then it goes to her. She negotiates everything. She negotiates repairs. She negotiates you know, the offers, appraisal issues, all of that. So, uh, so Kimberly, she, this is a long 
winded answer to your question, but I have Kimberly and she is, so she's full time. Um, and then, I, and she's all completely into transactions. Then I have got Holly and she is an administrative assistant. You know, she answers the phones. She does some listing coordination stuff. Um, she does whenever I have, like she helps with marketing and things like that. Um, she's full time. And then I have got a field runner. Um, it's actually my dad. He is, um, I try to keep him busy and keep him out of my mom's hair, but he's 80. He just turned 80. And so he goes out to the, you know, to my listings, puts up lock boxes, meets stagers, that sort of thing. Whenever we need somebody to go out in the field, we send him, um, everybody's fully licensed. So that's what my team looks like right now. Awesome. And so what's the makeup like transaction wise? Um, you know, like how many, how many, like, are you doing any non-divorce listings or is it, or, or representing the buyers? Like, give me the idea of like ratios there. Um, I'm looking here at my, at my, at my pipeline. And so right now, um, right now, I, right, right now I have, it's a hundred percent divorce. Um, Last year was also a hundred percent divorce, except I had one, one listing that was actually a family law attorney. It was his personal residence. Um, but you know, it's sourced back to, back to my divorce business. But other than that, they're all, they're all divorce. Um, so right now I've got about, let's see. So right now I have 27 listings in my pipeline. Um, so that's from active pending. And then there's also um, cases that I've been appointed on that are just, they've not found their way yet to being becoming active on the market. So I've been appointed and we're just kind of going through some stuff. Um, so that's 27. And then, um, and then I believe I have closed... I don't know. I've closed. Uh, I can look that up in just a second here. Sorry. Um, I thought I had something up there, but um, I've closed. Okay. What's other screen? Okay. So, so far I've closed 4.9 million. Um, and then I've got, so right now, all in total, all pipeline activity is 20, 21,075,000. That's between active, pending, closed, and then those other, that other category where I've been assigned. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's a pretty big business. We're talking about 20 million ish right there at its April. So, um, you know, okay, maybe it's almost May. So it's just past. April, uh, middle of April as the time of this recording. Yeah, those should all close by end of July, beginning of August. And I have a pretty close to 100% closing ratio. So, you know. So, okay, so that's a big business no matter how you measure it. Um, but you said something earlier, and this is something you and I talked about on the phone a few months ago, like you had the big team and then you kind of dissolved it. Do you mind, would you share that story? And, and we don't have to go into too much detail, but um, your story, like it, it spoke to me. Like I, I heard that loud and clear because something as I've observed as somebody who just ta I talk to a lot of agents and I, I try to mentor some agents. I, I coach some, 
But most importantly, I just try to talk and listen and see what's going on out there. And what I see is people feel like they have to do things a certain way and they have to do certain things, um, mostly just because of the company they keep and the pressure they put on themselves. Uh, not because there's anything else other than that. And it was, I found it curious, like when you said, hey, I had the big team, but really, but today, and it is a big business, you're focused on this niche, this divorce niche and not having the big team. So tell me about like, how big did your team get? What was it like? And what was the moment of like decision, I guess, for lack of a better word? Yeah, so, um, you know, if I... I'll, t- I'll tell you everything. And, and if I go to bunny trail and you're like, Laurel, stay on track, then please just tell me to do that. But, okay. um, so I, um, so in 2000, yeah, 2012, um, and prior to 2012, I had ha- I always had an admin team. So I always, I, I think I had admin from since my fifth listing or something. I'm really, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I raise my hand and I say, I need help. Um, probably soon. So I, um, I, I understood the concept of leverage really well. I still understand it very, very well. My question when I have too much to do is who can I get to do what? Um, so I, so that was not a problem for me, but then I decided, um, and I, I subscribe sort of to this whole mentality that's in our industry about, um, building a team so that you can eventually just either lead the lead the team or even check out and and you have a leader and then you can go off and do other things that you want to do um so uh there was so much you know information there's so many classes there were so many people doing it and i i sort of got on board and i was like this is really cool so i'm gonna learn how to do this and i um I then hired, I, I took all kinds of classes, you know, um, on, on hire, on how to hire, how to recruit, how to train, how to lead. I, I be, I, I just went down this whole leadership track. And so I, I did that and I grew my team. We, we eventually grew to, I had, um, two ISAs. We had at any given time, I had maybe about 10 sales agents. Uh, we had four full-time admin at the times and then, and then there was me. And so I always produced, I also figured, and I had a lot of, you know, I had like traditional real estate coaches who would be like, you know, Laurel, you've got all these listings, these divorce listings. So why don't you, you know, who's doing the open houses? Who's doing all the dial arounds? Who's doing the door knocking around those? Um, you know, who's, who's getting all those leads from that? Cause frankly, I'm too busy for, for all that, because I'm servicing, you know, my niche, right? So, um, so that was the other thing that I hired the sales team for. And, um, and then you've got the whole sort of debacle. Do I hire new <laughs> rookies and train them up? Um, that's going to be at a higher split, you know, to me versus it's going to be, or it's going to be a, like a 50-50. Um, or do I hire experienced Um, and then my value proposition is providing leverage for them and taking off expenses off of their P and L. And, um, and in that case, yeah, theoretically it should be a 50, 50 split, but that's a little bit of a harder sell when you've got experienced people with already a book of business. So, um, I decided, cause I like to teach and I like to, I like to train. Um, I, I decided I would hire the new ones and I would train them up because I feel like I'm, I'm a, I'm a good, I'm a really good realtor. I, I, I like the the practice of it. 
So I did all of this, you know, I did all of this. And then I, I ran, I, I started with my first sales agent in 2012 and, um, like, and, and, you know, and I did the whole thing. I mean, I got Boomtown and I had this major Zillow spend and I had this major AdWords spend and I had, you know, the whole social media camp. I mean, you name it. I, I you were, you were all in, you were doing the whole team thing. Go big or go home. Right. So I did, I did all of it. And, um, and the sales team just, I, I'm like, okay, eventually they're going to catch on, right? Okay, well, it's my fault that I'm not doing enough accountability. It's my fault that I'm not training them enough. Like it always rises and falls with the leader. And so I, um, they just were not producing to the extent that I felt like they should. And I was also chasing the almighty um, production rankings. I would follow rankings like every single month when rankings would come out. Like I would be the first one on there. And I think our rankings, like that little program and our, you know, it would like kind of crash Remember, like everybody would be on it. So I wanted to see like, where did I rank? And I was just, I was all about top line volume. And, and I was, I was number one in my market center. I was, you know, top one or two in my region. Usually I was, um, you know, top 1%. I mean, so I was, I, I was doing well, um, from a top line volume standpoint. I also had three major financial goals in my personal life. One of them was I needed to remodel my house. We bought a 1950s and it was all original and we needed to remodel my house. Anybody who knew me at that time knew I would never shut up about, I got to remodel my house. <laughs> um, second thing was to stay on top of taxes, stay on top of the IRS. Um, that was another big bucket. And the third bucket was to invest. Like, you know, I wanted to be a real estate investor myself. Um, so every single year, and I did the team advance every October, we did a team advance. We would rent out some big fancy place. We would have guest speakers come in. We would all do our goals. We would all do our vision boards. Every single year, I had the same three things on my vision board. And every single year, I believed that I was going to knock them out the following year. And, and I didn't. Um, and then even though my production kept growing and my top line numbers kept growing, um, I, I, I wasn't hitting these financial goals. Then um, I, I ended up, um, one, one day I was sitting um, in like spreadsheet heaven, you know, doing like programmings <laughs> and all that. And, oh, yeah. and um, I had just like, gotten rid of some salespeople and I got new salespeople and I got really good at, at letting people go. Um, and so I just like, these guys would just kind of look at me. My sales team would just kind of look at me like deer in headlights and either the good ones would leave or the, the other ones would just kind of look at me like deer in headlights. And I'm like, Every, I, I would come up with a new video, motivational vi video every Monday for our, for our call. I would like rev myself up. I would, every Sunday I'm doing all of my goals and the team and what all we're going to do. And, and I'm going to go in and, and I'm motivating everybody. And, and finally, after a while, I was like, I am so sick of sounding like a broken record because I am motivating everybody. I, or I think I am, I'm motivating myself to motivate everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the things that the book says to do. And, and yet at the end of the day, um, what I care about is, is, is not top line volume. 
I don't care that I'm number one. Who cares if I'm number one and I still can't hit my three financial goals? Right. In addition to that, I've got kids. I mean, my kids are in school. I mean, how many times am I telling my kids, you know, shh, be quiet, I'm on the phone, be quiet, I'm on the phone. You know, no, I can't go to this and that because I'm doing this. I mean, I miss out a lot. Um, so how, how many times am I going to, how many, like how much longer is this going to go on? And so I became more and more miserable and I, I was cranky. I was snapping at everybody in my whole life. I was, a, I was just a bitch to be around, frankly. And, um, and then I, I was on the phone with my coach one time and and I kept referring to my, I didn't even realize I was doing this, but I was referring to my sales team. I, I, I called him my freaking sales team, my freaking sales agent. And my coach stopped me and he goes, like, you don't think they feel that? And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe that's the reason why nobody gets motivated because I'm like, <laughs> I have this resentment towards them, you know? So, okay, back to my spreadsheet heaven one day. So I was, I was, deep into my spreadsheets and my formulas and my pro formas and all of this. And I thought, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to separate out my, my production. So forget it's even divorce business. Just forget it's even that for a second. Just my production. I'm going to, I'm going to separate out my production and I'm going to separate out the sales team and I'm going to create two P and L's and I want to see what would my expenses be and what would my, my, my income be and what is my net if I solely had my, my, my production. And then with the sales team, what are the expenses of the sales team and what am I netting after splits, after I pay for leads, after all of the office space to house the everything, you name it, everything. How much am I netting? And what I noticed Kevin was in quarter three of 2016, my sales team, that P&L, my sales team was at an $8,000 loss. My, in quarter four, it was a $10,000 loss. In quarter one of 2017, I was heading down a $12,000 loss of, of just that. Now, overall, I'm profitable. Overall, I'm profitable. But what I realized is my production is subsidizing the sales team's deficiency. And so I, I realized how, you know what, if I didn't have this, I'd be able to hit my financial goals. My financial goals would have been hit. And then I did some like historic, um, uh, you know, I went historically back for like 24 months and I realized how much money I would have brought home had I, had I not had a sales team. And I was like, Oh my God, no wonder I'm, <laughs> But I'm keep growing, right? But I'm number one. I was going to say, but you were number one. And isn't that what it's all about? Right. It's, like tall, it's all about trophies, right? Yeah, exactly. So they're all lined up right there when you walk into my office. Um, so then I was, I was actually, I was, I was chit-chatting on Facebook with a friend of mine. I, I grew up in Florida and I grew up with a guy who is a luxury realtor in Orlando. And, um, I was chatting with him and I'm like, Danny, you're doing such a great job. I'm so proud. He actually, he posted a video of, of himself going to pick up this Porsche that he had custom made in the, in, in Stuttgart. And he was driving the Audubon. He was live on the Audubon. Right. And I was like, good for you. You know, you're, you're awesome. And so 
Um, and we just started chatting. I'm like, what's your team like? And he's like, team, he's like, I have an assistant. And he goes, I, I don't have a, I don't have a team. He said, I, I did 2 million in GCI last year. I'm like, what? You did 2 million in GCI last year and you have an assistant. And then I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Your life isn't your own, but your business, you know, all the things right about building a team. Yeah, but you can't walk away. The minute you walk away, the whole thing collapses. It's all dependent on you, which is no way to build a business, right? Because I've learned business. And I, and, I, and I kind of mentioned that a little bit. And he says, oh, he says, I've got a real estate portfolio. I bring in $37,000 a month without even batting an eye or lifting a finger. And I was like, so he can walk away from his business and he's perfectly fine. He has no debt, nothing. He paid cash for his custom Porsche and Stuttgart or whatever. Um, I was on another panel with another agent and uh here locally and and he um he is very similar he was doing like it was october and we were on a panel and he had done like 62 million year to date he was going to finish the year at like 80 million and uh he's got an assistant and another admin person and then he's got a guy that does his open houses for him but the rest of it's like his production and i'm sitting here in the like doing the math in my head <laughs> like what? And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what am I doing? So I talked to my coach and by now I'm just, you know, I'm so sick of failing because I also see everybody on Facebook and I'm like, God, there's such a better leader than me. Gosh, they have so much better retention than me. They have great highlights. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, and I just, I, I, I started to wake up every single day just feeling like this, this failure. And I'm, I'm not enjoying my team. I'm not enjoying leading them. I'm, I'm not making the money that I need to make to, it, to satisfy my own personal goals. But you're supposed to fail your way to success, right? You fail your way to success. So failure's okay. So it's okay that I'm feeling this whole fear. So I go through this mind, like this whole mind trick, mind right? Mind That's what it's called. That's what it's called. Yes. You can say that on my podcast. Your show, you can say that. You're allowed to say that here. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm on track. I'm failing, which is what I'm supposed to be doing. Every leader fails. I'm good. So then I, so then it was like in March of 2017 and I was on the phone with my coach and I was just having a day and I didn't even want the coaching call. He called me and I'm like, you know, I'm paying what, you know, when it all shakes out, I'm paying like $300 for this 30 minute call. So I better pick it up. I'm not going to cancel it, whatever. And I pick it up and, you know, and he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing well. Um, I'm, you know, we're this, that I'm not making, we're not making the money. Nobody's converting my stupid people, my stupid sales team. They're not getting it. I don't understand why they're so lazy. And he's like, why don't you just blow it up? Why don't you just blow it up? And I remember where I was standing. I was actually standing in my bedroom and I had these doors that overlook the pool outside and I was standing right there. And it was the most liberating and scary thing he had ever said. I, I think anybody had ever said. And he's like, you know what? He goes, we're going to end this call. I'm going to call you tomorrow. You have 24 hours to blow it up because your heart's not in it, you're losing money, and 
and you're, you just, you need to get, you need to get true to where your priorities are. So I slept on it and I was like, you know what? Who cares if I'm number one? And I, and I had said this to him. I go, I, if I am number one worldwide, but I'm not hitting my own financial goals, is that a win? Is that a win? And it's not. Yeah, it's I not. Am, it's not. If I am number 257,000 in the nation, but I am hitting my financial goals and I am a more present mom, is that a win? I got really clear. Yeah. That's a win. And I was like, I have it all right under my nose because I've done all the numbers. And if I offload this, then guess what? I'm going to be, I'll, I'll be okay. And, um, and I was, you know, and we were at a time, I mean, right. When you have a team, you have so much money going out. My nut was ridiculous. My nut, I think it was like, I don't know, 60, $70,000 a month or something to carry that weight on your shoulders. Like I, I had so much money going out that if you don't have that coming, I mean, you can have major cash flow issues, right? Oh, yeah. Doesn't mean that you're necessarily like broke. I mean, there's there's being broke and then there's being like in a cash flow crunch. So I was in like this major cash flow crunch. We had a trip planned to Hawaii and I had to postpone it. Uh, it was during my kids' spring break and I actually had to postpone it. I had to tell my kids, we had to postpone our Hawaii trip. My kids were so super cool. They're like, mom, we don't care. That's fine, you know? But I... But I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So uh, 24 hours, I, uh, that morning I woke up and I just, I literally, I, I let everybody go. It was almost like the, you know, I, I was, it was almost just like, I was like a firing squad <laughs> and they were gone. <laughs> Done. It was just, they, in like, it was, it was quick. Forget the high level exit interview. I skipped that. I didn't want to know feedback. How could I have done better? What were your wins? What were your losses? Blah. What'd you learn? Like none of that. I didn't care. I just, it was literally like, it was, it was like every 10, 15 minutes they were coming in the door and I was done. I Good left. Yep. I, Kimberly, I, <laughs> I will never let Kimberly go. Um, Kimberly's the, the, the sole survivor, um, of the, uh, of, of the assassination of the team. And, um, and I have to say, then it was like, okay, now you wake up and you're like, okay, where am I going? What am I doing? And it was this weird six month period of just, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't, I don't have an, I don't have to go in the office. Um, I don't have anybody waiting for me. You don't have to go motivate anybody today. <laughs> I don't have to motivate anybody today. And guess what? I wake up motivated. So yeah. I don't even like, I don't even have to motivate my, like I wake up and it's, I, I have like little rocket boosters in my in my little heels or something I don't know I always wake up motivated and so I just um it was it was like I was on vacation and I swear to god it was the craziest thing like the bank account so so something I do and one of my coaches had me had me do this years ago um I, I sometimes I hate looking at my bank account it's it it scares me you know I get stressed like even logging on to my bank um and so he had me um, create a Google spreadsheet. This is an old coach I had, not the same one, but I still do it. So um, I create a Google spreadsheet every single day and all my accounts. And I have to, every single morning, I have to open up my bank account and I have to, 
I have to write in all the all of the bank balances and all my credit card balances. So I have because I just had to push through this, you know, I don't want to look, I don't want to look thing, right? Yeah. And like when you see this trend line that happened. So I've got all my historical bank balances dating back to I don't know 2014 or something. And when you see this trend line of of what's left in the bank and like it just kept it was just filling up is what happened and i didn't have this out though i, sh I shaved my expenses they were between 60 to seventy thousand dollars depending on the month and i shaved them down to 10 and it was like i can't believe how much money stays in the bank so my remodel is completely done i'm completely caught up on all of my taxes and we're in the process of buying our first investment property. That is fucking awesome. Thanks. I love that. So the re and the reason why, why I really wanted to have you on to share that and um, I want to talk, uh, you know, we're coming up on a time crunch, but um, I want to talk about the divorce thing else real quick too. Sure. But before I do that, what I loved is that you had the ability, first of all, you didn't, you did not let your ego get in the way of making a great business decision. And you said, you know what, this team, like you looked at it, you literally looked at spreadsheets and went, I'm losing money. Luckily, you have a good coach. I know him, uh, or at the time, anyways, you had a kid coach who was willing to, to challenge you to actually do the thing that you probably already knew deep down you, you needed to do, because you have basically three quarters of data and probably a lot of headaches telling you that you don't need that team. And in the face of like you and I ran in a lot of the same circles and everybody thinks they have to have a big team in real estate. Um, they think that that's the way and leverage and failure, all the things that you threw out there. I was laughing at because I'm like, yeah, I know I'll, I've heard all that too. I've probably said it all felt it all. And what I think that is true in our business that isn't talked about enough is that you don't have to have, not everybody should have a team. Some people should, and then some people should absolutely not. And for different reasons, like the, I always tell people like, listen, the reason I have the business I have is because it's set up for the, the way I want to interface with my business. It is not because I think it's the right thing to do uh, or it's the thing to do or the popular thing to do. It's because of the way I personally want to interface with what I do to earn money, right? With, with what this business is for me. And I think so many people set their business up to, to be uh, what they think it should be for their peers. Right. And, I just love the fact that you went, okay, cool. Number one sucks when I'm not hitting my personal goals. Personal goals are way more important. And I'm going to put that first and peace of mind is going to go first. And this big team thing can, uh, you know, someone else can do it. You know, let's leave that. Let's leave that for someone else. I don't need to do that. And I could even just tell the first time you told me the story on the phone, like this, you got, I could almost sense like the relief even now a couple of years later of like yeah. the business is a ple it's it's a pleasurable for you now and I know that because I've now heard you not only talk to me about it over the phone but teach about it on a webinar we did recently and I can tell that you love what you do and I I wish more of us in this industry had a business that was set up for what we love doing rather than what we think we should be doing a hundred percent. And let me tell you the ego thing. Um, you know, that did take, it was a process, frankly. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It did take a little while to get over that. And then, and then the other thing, the other thing that I had to really come to terms with internally, um, 
was the fact that I ran in circles of some really high producers who put, uh, you know, identity on, on top line volume. And I, um, I knew that I might not have as much as in common with them anymore. And these are people I really enjoyed spending time with. And, um, I had to, I had to really do, I mean, believe me, I mean, I make it sound like it was, you know, super easy maybe. And it, it really, I had to do a lot of thinking about that. Cause I thought, you know, um, you know, you talk about your friends and you talk about stuff you're in, you have in common and whatever. And I felt like I would be judged as well, even by my own friends. Um, I felt like I'd, and I'd be judged probably by other people. Um, and and yet I just, at the end of the day, you know, um, I learned something a long, long, long time ago. Um, another time we'll have to, you know, I have, I have a whole story of, you know, life story. And, um, and I, one thing that has never failed me in my life has been to get in touch with um, who I really am and to, and to stay committed and be true to myself. And sometimes there's so much noise that takes us away from that. And when we can sit still long enough um, and think uh, about who we really are and what does it mean to be true to ourselves, um, that just never, never steers me wrong. And I, I got really distracted by a lot of noise. And um, so that's ultimately what I had to do. And I thought, well, you know what? So if I have to make new friends and if I lose people or whatever, then, then that's what's going to have to be. But I can't keep living like this. I'm not a leader of salespeople. Leadership is, is what I'm supposed to be. And I'm not, I'm not that kind of a leader. Um, I'm not a, a manager of people to go in every single day and do that. I'm not, I'm not that person. And, and that's going to be okay. That's, that's going to be okay. It turns out you're a significantly better leader than most because you're being true to yourself and you're running your business that's true in a way that's true to you and it's successful and you're reaching your personal goals and your family goals. And if that isn't leadership, I don't know what the hell is. Um, you know, I was in a conversation recently with a bunch of real estate agents and they called it this leadership dinner and they were going around for like this whole conversation. And I think most people in the room felt really warm and fuzzy. I certainly didn't. Um, and it got to the end and it was like, you know, it was like closing thoughts. And I said, guys, I got to be honest. It was closing thoughts on, on leadership. I said, I, I fucking hate that word. I hate that word because of the way we use it in this industry, we use it for the way we have things and the way we have people on our teams, as opposed to just in my, in my mind, it is like, it all starts with who you are as a person and how you behave and how you act and how you perform. And if you're really a great leader, then it's actually all you need to do is lead yourself because the people, if you takes other people to do what you want, they're going to be the right people. Anyways, you're actually not going to be hiring the wrong people. Right. You'd hire the right people. Like you find the person that's been with you for 12 years or for 20 years or, or whatever, because that's, they understand who you are true at your core. Those people will never leave you. Like if that isn't leader, that should be the new definition of leadership in our yeah. industry. Not like, Hey, can I have 10 salespeople and an ISA and a blah, 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 and a blah, blah, blah. That's like, that's all total B BS. If you ask me. 
Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, a hundred percent. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think that the, you know, it, it, the other thing, the other thing about it too, in, in addition to, you know, I guess you're right. Good leadership is about leading yourself first and, and being an example to, to being true to yourself. So, um, the other thing is, is that I think realtors, um, they, it is not sexy to be in production. Um, and I think realtors should really think twice about that because there are a lot of people, uh, you know, being in production is, is about the most profitable gig we've got. And, and to get out of production just because it doesn't seem like it's sexy anymore. Um, you know, people can pull that plug too quickly and they can, they can go broke. Almost everybody pulls the, here's the funny thing, like, and I, I, I can make, this is something I'm talking on both sides of my mouth, but like, I'll see people that will do that. They'll pull the plug too quickly. And they, I'm like, why do you want out of production? And they're just, they can't even give me a re real good answer. It's more right. like, cause they feel they're supposed to, right? Um, and so, yeah, like that things tend to go bad when they shouldn't be out of, like, they're not the person that shouldn't be in production. Some people are designed that way. Some people are not. Uh, some people have that skill set. Some people do not. Um, some people have the tolerance and quite frankly, it's less profitable, especially early on. And most people haven't set themselves up to be able to live off of less money anyways. Or I'll see these other people who they get in the trap that you found yourself in, but they never let themselves out of it. And they'll keep lying to themselves about like, Hey, I'm just going to be in production because like, that's the thing that keeps them profitable. But they never really stop to look in, in at the spreadsheets or at the reports or at the numbers to realize that they might actually be way more profitable if they were the only one there or if they stepped out and allowed other people to step up. Like it's a it's an art. This is not a science. Like you have to know whether or not should I actually step in and really just produce and get rid of everybody or should I be stepping out and allowing other people to step up because I'm not allowing them to be great in the organization. Like maybe I've got the right person and if I just was became who I really am, like this person would rise up. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to know. It's not a black or white thing. It's totally an art, not a science. It is. And, and leadership is a completely different skill set. So it's like, you know, you go, uh, you know, you go apply and you're a, you know, you're a sales guy at Best Buy. And then, you know, what does that look like compared to being a, you know, like a marine biologist or something. I mean, they're almost like, it's almost like that. Like you've got two totally different skill sets and educational tracks and, and, and raw talents um, to be one or the other. They don't just merge seamlessly. No. A really good agent to being a leader of a team. And, um, and I think we also are in an industry where I think, um, you know, my last coach that I had, I said, I want you to hold me accountable to my profits. I do not want to talk about top line numbers. That is irrelevant to me. It is irrelevant to my, to my bank account. It's irrelevant to my happiness. We will talk about one metric and one metric only, and that's profitability. And I don't think that enough coaches uh, do that. I think that they talk about too many leading indicators. They talk about too much, um, too, you know, too much top line production and they're not talking about the profitability.
Well, most coaches aren't qualified to have any other discussion other than those like four things that they, that they learned in coach school or whatever, whatever it is that deemed them worthy of becoming a coach. Right. Um, and it's because we're, we, a lot of these, and these coaching companies get so big and there's so many of them where it's like, they're just cookie cutting coaches out. And so therefore they've got a limited skill set. Like I think about my business coach and I've had, I've had a business coach for, I guess almost nine years now. Thank God. I have no idea where we would be without him. I mean, this is a guy that's a businessman. Like he understands yeah. numbers and he does not let us get away with shit when it comes to numbers. And I, I thank God every day that he's my coach um, and that he's been in my life for so long because he has definitely um, helped us so much along the way. But most coaches aren't him. And I always tell people like, listen, if you don't like your coach, you need to find another one. Like if you're not, yeah. if it's not by, I met, I was talking to someone recently um, who was on the podcast early, like one of my very first guests. I can't remember. I don't think she said it on the podcast, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell this anyways. I just won't say her name, but she told me like flat out, like she wants to know the, her coach's net worth because wow. if, it's, if it's not at a certain number, she knows wow. that they can't help her get hers up. Yeah. And she's very clear. Like you talked about profitability. She's very clear with her conversations about the coach and setting up the relationship that they're coaching to net worth. They're not coaching to top line or they're not coaching to recruiting or they're not coaching to sales or, or whatever the thing is. It's about net worth. And I thought, man, that like, that is so smart and so clear. Totally respect that. I, I love that. And I, and I love, and, and there should be more discussion about um, how to, how, you know, how to, what do you want to get coached on? I think a lot of people just kind of call up and they want to coach and then they expect the coach to sort of, you know, like somehow turn them into this, you know, this whatever. And I think that it, like your friend, and it sounds like, like what you've done as well is, you know, you, you hire a coach and you get very, get very specific on what do you want that coach to hold you accountable to and what, is it you want out of that coach? There should, it should absolutely be a two-way interview process. And then it's, it's um, you know, and before you even do that, what do I want? What, what do I want at the end of the day? Yep. And, and then, you know, and then you can go from there. But yeah, I mean, I think that taking the, taking a little bit more control over what we want out of our, out of our coaching experience is super important. Yeah, it sure is. Um, okay. So I actually only have like four minutes. Um, and this is, this went a little bit longer than I promised you. Sorry about that. Good. Maybe we'll do a part two one day. So last thing I want to say, I'm really excited because I, I got, we got to have this webinar inside of next level agents, Facebook group. And you talked about a class that you're going to be doing on divorce real estate. And I, like, I got so excited about it. Literally just sitting on your webinar. Like I went and told my business partner, I'm like, dude, Laurel just did it and I, I laid it out for him. He's like, that sounds awesome. I'm like, I know we're going to take that class. And so I'm excited to take it. Uh, so in like two minutes or less, what is the Divorce Real Estate Institute? And if somebody wants information, what's the website or email address where you'd want to send people to so they could get more information? And uh, we'll do another one of these sometime soon where we can talk more about uh, learning how to be Laurel Starks. Thank you. Yeah. So the Divorce Real Estate Institute is basically, it's a training organization and it is designed to teach and train realtors throughout the country how to be the go-to real estate expert in their family law community. Uh, so 
it is made up of myself and we have a fa I have a faculty. There are five of us on the faculty. We've got family law, three family law attorneys, uh, a judge and uh, a certified divorce lending professional plus myself. Um, and we have education, I have educational programs from that, that, that serve, you know, a brand new agent all the way through to a full blown certification program um, through our institute, which is, is a six month program, including a five week, a five day uh, week uh, here that you spend in Southern California with all of us. And it's kind of an immersion. So um, we as realtors have a lot of data and a lot of skills and a lot of tools that they need in family law. And the problem is, is realtors just show up as salespeople all the time. And we don't even realize as realtors what we have that they need. So that's what I teach. Um, I teach realtors to understand what their value is and then how to approach and how to take our value to the family law community because there's a huge void there that, uh, that they, that they need, that they need to have filled. So it's, it's so the Divorce Real Estate Institute, that's what we're all about. I'm all about educating realtors to be, uh, the best, best professionals that they possibly can be to serve families who are really walking through their darkest hour. Awesome. So a website or email address that yeah. someone who wants more information, where should they go? Sure. So dreinstitute.com, dreinstitute.com is our website. You can get information there. And then you can also, if you email me at team at dreinstitute.com, team at dreinstitute.com, then I will send you my divorce attorney marketing plan. Um, that's about a, it's about a 30 minute interview that I, that I I'm doing with, a um, someone else who is asking me all about it. It's sort of like Laurel Unplugged, sort of like this. I did not know the question. So I just like, you know, vomited everything I know about uh, how I built my business. So, uh, you're welcome to email me and, and that is, there's no charge for that. So team at dreinstitute.com. And I'm happy to share that. Just that make sure like in the subject line, you know, please send me your divorce attorney marketing plan. Cool. That is awesome. All right. Well, Laurel Sarks, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. I know the listeners of the Next Level podcast appreciate it as well, too. And I'm looking forward to being a student of yours here in just a few short weeks starting in May. That's awesome. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all you guys are doing for the industry as well and having kind of conversations that are a little bit uh, counterculture. So I appreciate that. If there's anything I am, it's going to be against the grain. So absolutely. <laughs> so, cool. Well, thanks a bunch. Have a great uh, rest of your day. And I know we will talk again soon. Awesome. Thanks. Right. Take talk care. Talk to you later. Alrighty. That's it for today's show. Do me a favor. If you enjoy this, go over to iTunes or wherever you're listening at. Leave us a review. Share this episode with your friends. And for more great content, check us out in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash next level agents. That's facebook.com forward slash groups next level agents. See you soon.